Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 38. The Screwtape Letters, Letter 19. Nothing about love makes sense. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast, where David, Andrew, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. This season, we are eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon, Screwtape, as he explains how to tempt the patient, a human, assigned to be tempted by Screwtape's nephew, Wormwood. Each week, we'll be considering a different letter on twisting Screwtape's hellish logic and forming a battle plan for our own spiritual lives. David, it is good to be chatting with you. This will be our last recording because I'm going away for out of town for a few weeks and we have gotten so far ahead. I won't be recording for, well, probably three weeks. Yeah, you get a little bit of a break from me. Lucky you. Lucky you. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's be honest. I miss recording, genuinely. I, I absolutely love recording. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what I love? Our Patreon supporters. And I'm really excited about something that we're putting together for them. As I mentioned in the episode with Dr. Jason Lapoyavi, we've now been on Patreon for about a year. In fact, we'll have just passed the anniversary at about the time that this episode goes live. And so to mark this, as well as to say a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, we wanted to offer something special to them. And so we've teamed up with the C.S. Lewis Foundation to organize a Zoom tour of Lewis's home in Oxford, the Kilns. Oh, that's such a phenomenal idea. No, I, I've said this many times before. We have the best Patreon supporters, and particularly like the best Slack community, which is saying the exact same thing because practically every Patreon supporter is in the Slack community. And... I am constantly amazed. I actually get a little, you know, they say Catholic guilt. I get a little slack guilt because <laughs> I don't I don't participate enough in it, but I consume all the content. And maybe it's good because we do our content this way. And so I'm doing enough content contribution in life, but um, I don't contribute as much to that as I should be. And yet there's just, honestly, there's such a core group there that contributes the highest of quality stuff that brings so much joy to my life, the things I read, the theological conversations I witness, the engagement with Lewis, the engagement with theological topics. I am just in awe, honestly. And I genuinely do feel guilty because I feel like as, as one of the co-hosts, I should be like one of the leaders in this and I'm just a passive consumer. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all friends and they're doing Zooms together separately and they organize these things. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. And David, and just so people who know, I mean, David and I have are been so amazed by this. We're, we're taking the ministry to another level. We're talking about, in the next couple of weeks, incorporating Pints with Jack, and then we're talking down the road, 501c3, and we're talking about other different types of expansion we want to do from a content perspective. And so your guys' support has been so helpful with us to take this ministry to the next level. And we are just scratching the surface. Let me put it that way. Because sometimes we'll say, hey, we've got all of our episodes covered. That's just as rear view looking. We have this whole forward view vision that we have as, as our support, as your guys' support grows to take this so far beyond and evangelize as many people as we can. Exactly. The more that's taken off my plate in terms of uh, planning and editing, it means I can create a new Google spreadsheet and 
plan exciting things for the future. I love it. Well, this is gonna be fun. Sorry, that was a huge diversion. I'm very excited for the Zoom tour. <laughs> yeah, it'll most likely be in March, probably on a Saturday. Uh, and someone from the CS Lewis Foundation will be giving the tour. And it's going to be available to all of our patron supporters, regardless of what tier they're at. Uh, and the, I'm going to make sure that the tour takes place at a time so folks in England and on both coasts of the United States will be able to attend it virtually. So if you're hearing this, it's not too late. Go to Patreon. If you'd love to support us, you can be a part of this Zoom tour. And then that's just a little icing on top. That's like that's like a treat when you enter the door. But then you can join the Slack community if you're the second tier above. And that's the real treat. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing was one of our recent Patreon supporters. I Sometimes I don't like these last names just for anonymity. An, 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 <laughs> 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 don't judge. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> anonymity. Okay. That's yes, Matthew. But Gary recently joined. He said, I just went through six months of of Slack uh, messages and I'm just amazed by this community. And I was like, wow, those are just the kindest words. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, now that we've announced that, let's, uh, let's push on and get on to produce content for today's episode. And we begin with the song of the week. And we had so many options with today's song of the week because it's all about love. My primary thought was, what is love? Baby Don't Hurt Me by Hathaway. I then thought of Love Stinks uh, by, uh, I actually kn knew it from the Adam Sandler movie, The Wedding Singer. Uh, I then came across Love is a Lie by Great White. But then on the Slack channel, Sherry Randolph, she suggested a title. It's a Leanne Rhyme song called Nothing About Love Makes Sense. And this is going to be Screwtape's chief criticism in today's letter about God and about this lie he keeps putting out about love. I actually didn't look at which one you chose for Teddy. I was just going through these four. And I was about to say, it should have been that last one. Nothing about love makes sense. And then I looked above at the title of the Google Docs and realized that's what the one you did chose. Because that's absolutely perfect. As we're going to see in this episode, there's a part where Screwtape just can't understand the concept of love. It doesn't make sense to him. What is our quote of the week? Yes, there's, I mean, so many choices. This is Lewis, but, you know, to keep it short and sweet, he is one being. They are distinct from him. Their good cannot be his. All his talk about love must be a disguise for something else. What does he stand to make out of them? This goes back to what I just said in the title, song, song title, that there's a whole conversation here that's really fascinating about what was it that Satan couldn't stand from God. So there's a cool theological conversation you and I can have a little bit, and I'm curious how much you've researched this, of the fall of Satan. But the, the crux here of what this quote's getting at is, just can't understand how God could create something out of just pure selfless love for the good of someone else. People are in competition, and if they're distinct, they must be in competition. So this whole concept of love is just foreign to them. So this is a great quote. <laughs> All right, now for our drink of the week. I'm continuing my advent calendar, guys, and I'm I'm going to say this up front. I don't. I, I'm nervous about this one because I read a raw review of this, and it was a four out of ten is what the person gave it. So Ooh. I'm drinking. It's called Aerolite Lindsay Ten Year Old Single Malt, which ten's also not usually great. It's a little bit harder to have a ten be good, but we shall see. 
Well, while you're experimenting, I am sticking with something good and faithful. Uh, my wife bought a load of Guinness for her podcast, so I'm enjoying uh, a nice glass of Guinness. I was just listening to their Man Alive one, which was talking about Guinness. So, <laughs> Which, by the way, is a plug people go check out with Pints with Chesterton because David doesn't seem to give his wife enough praise in the beginning of these. He, last time we did it, when I was recording with you, you did it at the very end of the episode. And I'm like, oh, great, after we've lost half the people. Your wife deserves better, David. I know that her content stands on its own. She doesn't need me to, uh, for people to know that it's good. I, well I actually done. quoted her on my website. Uh, I'll, I'll still occasionally put up a, uh, a quotation of the week on my blog, RestlessPilgrim.net. And I actually put up a quotation from an interview that she gave at her work. And she said something like, "Men, women don't need to pretend to be men to be great. Women have been doing courageous things since the beginning of time. And that describes my wife rather well. I think that is correct. I really like <laughs> David's. I really like David's wife. I really love that when I asked you a rom-com recommendation. So I asked David some rom-com re- recommendations. And then I decided, you know what? I'd rather have Marie's. So I went around his back and texted Marie directly. And David's second to top one was returned to me. And Marie's top one was returned to me. I was like, oh, that's cute. Look at that. They both love the same one. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a very sweet movie. Uh, it was. I already watched it. It's beautiful. But anyways, so mine says uh, with this 10-year, Arrow Light, Lindsay again, very pale white wine. Looks like a Pinot Grigio. Completely agree. Which, if you see a pale scotch, doesn't give you a lot of hope in the beginning. <laughs> Looks like <laughs> On a Budweiser. Bud Light. It, it really does. It's bad. <laughs> On the nose, it's definitely peaty, but it's a fruity peaty. Okay. And it says like a whiff of koala, which I know I'm saying it wrong. Uh, Andrew always cracks me, but I would say it does kind of smell like that. Now for my sip. It's just, a, it's a harsh peat mm-hmm. with a very, not a long finish. It's very much on the front of your tongue, which I yeah. prefer the scotches just like I used to like Diet Coke growing up. It's how it felt <laughs> in your throat. I liked it how it went on your throat, okay? Uh-huh. And so this one just hits you harshly on the front. It's very peaty. I wouldn't go four out of 10. That's kind of rough. I'd go six out of 10, but yeah. Okay. There you go. Well, as I said, I'm drinking Guinness and it's as wonderful as normal. Uh, who are we <laughs> toasting today? We're going to be toasting to Jake Jones. And Jake, as we're going to see in this letter, Satan's going to try to convince you and all of us every day to doubt God's love for us. How could he love us, our worthiness? But may you trust and believe in both your worthiness and God's goodness and love towards you. Cheers. Yes. Oh, by the way, as we go into chapter summary, David, did you hear my attempt with Andrew Lazo to piece it together? I did. What'd you think? I uh, thought it was you, decent. You went over the word limit. Sorry. Did I really? Did you count Miles it? Miles oh. over. You did about did 170 I? words. It might have been 100. I, I had no idea. I never counted. I just had to pull it together fast. <laughs> This is what happens when you don't enter the recordings into my master spreadsheet. I don't help you. <laughs> Lesson learned. Mm. Oh, how about yours now? Let's hear it. Well, this is the summary for Letter 19, which was first published in The Guardian on the 5th of September, 1941. Screw tape backpedals, realizing that his nephew may report him for heresy for suggesting that God really loves humanity. He explains that he spoke this way only because they are ignorant of heaven's real plan. 
which was actually why Satan left there in the first place. Wormwood asked about the desirability of the patient being in love. Screwtape just sees it as raw material. If he is arrogant and contemptuous of the body, it might be best to keep him from romance. However, if he is an emotional, gullible man, Screwtape has high hopes of matching him with a terrible wife. Hmm. This one's going to be a fun one. This is a really great chapter. I'm glad we get to do this one together. Help us remember what last week's was, because I know the beginning of this chapter references it. Sure. So in last week's letter, Screwtape was looking at love, sex, and marriage, and the interplay between all of them. And at the top of this letter, we can tell that in the intervening time, Wormwood has asked him a question about what he saw as a contradiction in something that was said by his uncle. I didn't know it was intervening time, by the way. And so I'm literally searching for this question in last letter. And I'm like, there's no question here. <laughs> no, you have to derive it from the text. And Screwtape actually spells out his nephew's consternation. He writes, If all selves are by their very nature in competition, and therefore the enemy's idea of love is a contradiction in terms, what becomes of my reiterated warning that he really loves the human vermin and really desires their freedom and continued existence? And the writing at the start of this chapter is just wonderful because Screwtape realizes that he has accidentally affirmed heresy in writing. God <laughs> actually loving humanity? Certainly not. Blasphemy. <laughs> and Screwtape also realizes that his backstabbing little nephew is ready to turn him into the authorities for this slip up. He therefore immediately begins to backpedal, saying, I hope, my dear boy, you have not shown my letters to anyone else. And Screwtape goes on to explain that his heresy was purely accidental. As I mentioned earlier, it's only because they don't really know what's going on. And Screwtape also, he tries to pass off all the nasty things that he said about Slubgob, the head of the training college, as just well-intentioned, harmless jokes. And he also walks back the various threats that he made to his nephew. It's, the start of this letter is just wonderful. Doesn't it sound like he's a bit on the defensive? He's a bit afraid. Sometimes he comes across super arrogant. This time he's he's like appeasing him. And it, he's not saying, I'm so sorry, my dear boy. But it sounds like he's doing that indirectly. Yes, he's basically trying to get out of the hole that he has dug. Uh-huh. His pride and ego. He got hit. Now he's digging out. Mm-hmm. And as I said, Screwtape explains that he was only careless about how he described the situation between God and humanity, speaking as though God really loves humanity because hell just doesn't know what God's real motivation is. What hell does know is that these ideas about love, which heaven keeps putting out, they have to be utter nonsense. After all, Screwtape, he, he writes this. He says, he, meaning God, is one being. They, the humans, are distinct from him. Their good cannot be his. All his talk about love must be a disguise for something else. What does he stand to make out of them? And that was your quote of the week. This is the central problem that Screwtape just can't solve. Yeah, they operate under a completely different worldview, and they can't reconcile these two statements under that worldview. And rather than, rather than saying, are there, is their worldview wrong? They're trying to somehow figure out some missing piece of information, which is we're going to see later. There's any comment, and I don't want to jump ahead. But when he asks God, the enemy in this case, who's asking God, uh, Satan in the beginning before the fall and essentially says, I really need to know. And God says, I really hope you do someday. <laughs> essentially like it's an obvious answer. If only you can see it. I just, we'll get to that, but that's just so beautiful. Well, that's really the next thing. 
And it, it does really put me in mind of, have you ever done someone a good turn and they get all defensive? Why did you do that? What do you want? What do you? What's in it for you? And they can't mm. grasp the fact that you might have just done something out of the goodness of your heart. And he usually speaks to a brokenness in them. The fact that they're not used to somebody doing something nice for them without something, without expecting something in return. I have that to keep it as short. And hopefully my mother, if she ever listens to this, I know she doesn't listen to this podcast <laughs> anymore, so I'm okay. But I think my uh, sister and brother-in-law still do. So they might laugh at this. <laughs> Growing up, so love language of gifts, I, it's the lowest on mine because <laughs> my mom used to like attach things to gifts and almost weaponize them a little bit. As a kid, I'd get gifts taken away from me if I was bad and given if I was good. And so I've just never been able to accept gifts very well because of that. So it's kind of a joke in the family now because she's not that way anymore. Um, but I just, I, I don't, because of that, that wounds gifts. I'm always assuming there's some, I can't accept stuff from something because there's someone, because I assume they want something in return or I have to act a certain way or I have to be a certain way. And it's just unfortunate. Well, guess now I don't have to buy anything for Christmas next year. Wonderful. <laughs> now you also know why I probably don't buy you anything. <laughs> I just but assume it's because a- you're the worst. That's, that's, that's what I've been saying <laughs> up until now. Words of affirmation, quality time. Come on, David. I'm here with you every single week and I affirm you. <laughs> it's low on my list. Anyway, <laughs> as you mentioned, uh, screw tape points back to the beginning of time, to the, the, the famous instant between God and Satan at the very dawn of the beginning. Screwtape writes, When the creation of man was first mooted, first brought up, and when even at that stage the enemy freely confessed that he foresaw a certain episode about a cross, our father, Satan, very naturally sought an interview and asked for an explanation. The enemy gave no reply except to produce the cock and bull story, a nonsense tale about disinterested love which has been circulating ever since. And there was a reply afterwards, which we didn't put in here as a quote, but this is when God says, and Lewis writes this as screw tape, or as the enemy, I wish you did. I yeah. wish you did. Now, of course, what screw tape is describing here is just simple Christian doctrine. Two main points. Firstly, that God created humans out of love. As Lewis says in The Four Loves, God, who needs nothing, loves into existence wholly superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. And the second piece of doctrine that Screwtape's talking about here is that God foresaw the need of a cross and created us anyway. Also in the four loves, honestly, I could, I could quote the four loves throughout this chapter. But in another part, he writes, God creates the universe already foreseeing the buzzing cloud of flies about the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the messial nerves, the repeated incipient suffocation as the body droops, the repeated torture of back and arms as it is time after time for breath's sake hitched up. Wow. And this is, yeah, it's shocking. Uh, the, The idea that God made us out of love, even when he foresaw that we were going to go astray and that out of love he would take on our nature in the incarnation coming as a little fetus and then culminating in him being nailed to a tree in the crucifixion that is shocking stuff and i think i've mentioned before i only really started being resensitized to this outrageous message of christianity when i started hanging around with muslims who take the incarnation as an insult the idea that god could would, would would lower himself to do this, let alone die nailed to a tree. 
this is just basic Christian doctrine and the heart of the gospel. Uh, I'll do one more quotation from the Four Loves. Lewis writes, Those are great ones. <laughs> if I may dare the biological image, God is a host who deliberately creates his own parasites, causes us to be that we may exploit and take advantage of him. Herein is love. This is the diagram of love himself, the inventor of all loves. Full stop. Four loves is our next book. It's done. I'm not, there's no <laughs> debate. I'm not going to accept any debate after this. I, I started to get watery eyes the last quote right before this one where he creates universe already foreseeing the buzzing cloud of the flies about the cross. That was probably the most beautiful. I don't think I've ever heard it that way. It's obvious in hindsight, but you're always just told the story that the world fell and then God came in and, and, and became incarnate to, to save it, to draw it back up and to draw it to and restore and renew. Which sneaks in the idea that God was caught off guard. Yes, that's exactly right. And obviously, when you understand he has foreknowledge, if you really take a step back, it's obvious he knew this was going to happen in the beginning. But it's if it's not point out, it's not really where your brain thinks because we don't have foreknowledge. We think from our perspective. To know that he knew his only son, which is also a part of him and him, um, is going to have to go through such torture and such shame and to carry the cross and to do everything like that. He still desired to, to know we would do everything we can. I mean, that is just, whew, four loves. I don't remember any of that. I just remember the chapter <laughs> on friendship, to be honest. I read it with two of my other friends and we were all texting each other how much we loved each other after that book. <laughs> and so now I just want, I'm excited to read this. Now, needless to say, Satan didn't believe what God said about love. He wanted to know the secret. And Screwtape tells us that... Uh, because of this lack of confidence uh, that God would put in Satan, that Satan removed himself an infinite distance from God's presence so suddenly that many people had this ridiculous idea that he was thrown out of heaven, which is obviously actually what really happened. And this is described in very vivid detail in Paradise Lost and Screwtape. And Lewis actually wrote the preface to that about the time that he was writing Screwtape. And this is in turn based on Isaiah 14, where words about the king of Babylon have been traditionally seen as an image of Satan's own fall to grace. Uh, I'll just read a little bit of it. Uh, How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the depths of the pit. David, between the four loves, Isaiah, you are just bringing it today. <laughs> Thank you. I wasn't prepared for this because as listeners know, and as you can't stress enough, <laughs> I don't look at your notes ahead of time. <laughs> I look at my own notes ahead of time. But I don't look at yours. Well, I had a little bit of time to prepare for this recently. I did too, but I chose to watch Return to Me. You did. You sent me a message <laughs> saying things I should be doing instead of watching Return to Me. Yeah, but I do want to say here that that quote you had read, not the Isaiah one, but the one on distance from the presence, infinite distance, reminded me so much of the great divorce, free will, choice, um, infinite distance from presence is hell. And all of these concepts that were Lewis were massively wrapped on, on, uh, wrapped up in there, an inability to accept ultimate reality, uh, love himself. But I will say the one thing I wanted to push back on, I'm curious your thoughts. He's, Satan is in the presence of 
well, the real presence in the presence of God himself, love himself. So I, I, the word, I wouldn't say he's in communion with him, but the way I think of theolo- theology is the closer you are to God, the closer you are to communion with him, the more perfect you are. How can he be so close to God and yet have no comprehension of love? It seems like a dichotomy to me that just can't be true. Like you can't be that close to love and not even in the slightest sense grasp of. I get when you are in the infinite distance, you have no understanding of it because you're so far removed from love itself. I'm curious your thoughts on that. You end up at an infinite distance. But as the proverb goes, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And you can just put it in terms of romantic relationships when one person is offering their heart to the other, it still actually has to be accepted. And that doesn't happen in the case of Satan. And he commits the same sin that he'll ultimately lead Adam and Eve to commit, which is to doubt the goodness of God. If you read the Genesis account of the full, Satan is putting in uh, questions into their minds about the goodness of God. The, The idea that God is actually holding out from you. He doesn't actually want what's best for you. You need to take that for yourself. Mm. And that's Satan's sin. And that was ultimately the the sin in the fall. You know, one other thing that that's right after that quote that he mentioned, he talks about the factions of the enemy. So other people that are very close on the side of good make a comment that if only Satan or if only the demons or people in Satan's clan knew in what what was meant by love the war would be over yeah which absolutely as ourselves it's like i'm not going to go teach satan about love but i think you can use this as a bit of a metaphor that there is good and evil on this earth and there's people that are closer to god and there's people that are more on a journey towards satan going away from him as we'll see later some verses or some sections talk about our job is to show the love Mm-hmm. Like if you can show the love, you're combating the negative narrative right away. You're winning the war. It's that simple. And it requires the will. Think of that passage yeah. in James mm-hmm. where James says, you believe that there is one God. Great. So do the demons. <laughs> Intellectual knowledge no isn't, isn't the totality of it. It mm-hmm. requires an ascent of the will. Which is why James says, okay, great, you have faith. Where's the fruit? That passage when I was in high school, really wrestling, I had no idea denominations and stuff, but I just remember reading that, thinking to myself, yeah, clearly just intellectually saying Christ is the son of God really doesn't hold a lot of weight. Mm. Uh, Because even, I I remember reading that thing myself, even the demons know that. (laughs) I mean, that's nothing, there's nothing there really. Now we talk about intellectual assent and knowledge. But in the next section, we see that Screwtape is still struggling with kind of the basics uh, because he talks about God and his followers being stuck with this ridiculous story about God's disinterested love. You do wonder what Screwtape does with a passage like 1 Corinthians 13. You, you know the, the passage that you typically hear at weddings, love is patient, love is kind. <laughs> you know, Screwtape's read that. I, I'd love to know what he makes of it. Yeah, because he, like, can he comprehend the willing side of love, which is kind of love is patient, love is kind, by the way, it's because that's not saying love is a feeling, love is an emotion. I mean, those are all actions. Yeah. Or whether he just 
views everybody with that same suspicious motivation. If you're patient or if you're kind, you're doing it for your own selfish benefit. You'll get something out of it, yeah. Uh-huh. And since we're talking about love here, I want to take this opportunity to make a pitch for folks to read one of my favorite passages from an early church father. To give a little bit of historical context, following a rebellion against the Corinthian clergy at the end of the first century, St. Clement of Rome writes to the Church of Corinth to settle the matter and to have their priests reinstated. It's really powerful and yet winsome letter. Clement makes a similar kind of appeal to love as the one that St. Paul made to the Corinthian congregation a few decades earlier. The whole thing's gorgeous, but I just want to give you a little bit of a taster so that you'll go away after you've listened to this podcast and read that whole section. So this is Clement of Rome, and he's writing at the end of the first century. Who can describe the blessed bond of the love of God? What man is able to tell the excellence of its beauty as it ought to be told? The height to which love exalts is unspeakable. Love unites us to God. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love bears all things, is long-suffering in all things. There is nothing base, nothing arrogant in love. Love admits of no schisms. Love gives rise to no seditions. Love does all things in harmony. By love have all the elect of God been made perfect. Without love, nothing is well-pleasing to God. In love has the Lord taken us to himself. On account of the love he bore us, Jesus Christ our Lord gave his blood for us by the will of God, his flesh for our flesh, and his soul for our souls. Nothing needs to be said. (laughs) Except I'll post the full thing in the show notes. It's, it's chapters 49 and 50 from One Clement. You'll often find it on the internet. I remember that a little bit from the section of uh, Witnesses of the Early Church, voice, Witnesses of the Early Church, Voices of the Early Church, yes. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the chapter on Clement. Yeah. He takes excerpts and stuff. I included that for a few reasons. One, I just think it's a gorgeous passage that more people need to hear, but also Our understanding of love, it can become saccharine so easily. It can become, it can just be reduced to platitudes and people will switch off. And so sometimes we need to have the glory of love spelt out for us. And Screwtape certainly does (laughs) because he just doesn't get it. (laughs) You know, we're reading these things. We're seeing these things, these wise authors like a Clement really spelling this out. What you read earlier with Lewis and the Four Loves in, you'd imagine... Oh, let's, there's a spirit. I believe there's a spiritual battle going on at all times and we can't really see it. But I bet if I look over my shoulder right now, one of these ways, there's a demon around me. I'm trying to do something. They can read this. They can hear this. Is this not processing? Is this not registering? Are they just like, oh, this is all hogwash. <laughs> hogwash. That's the word. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the bog come from? I always uh, miss, mix two different. Yeah, I don't know how I got the hog. You are unencumbered by the normal rules of words and grammar. Well done. (laughs) Yes, you're right. Well, as was said in one of your interviews before, it's exactly right. I'm making my own language. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's look at the end of this letter, because as Screwtape begins to wrap it up, we turn from the love of God, which in the four loves, Lewis calls agape or agape, to falling in love. So the more romantic kind of love, eros. And apparently Wormwood had complained that Screwtape didn't make it clear in his last letter whether falling in love was a desirable state in which to guide his patient. And Screwtape's response is wonderful. He just says this is a dumb question. 
He says, Leave them to discuss whether love or patriotism or celibacy or candles on altars are good or bad. Nothing matters at all except of a given state of mind in given circumstances to move a particular patient at a particular moment nearer to the enemy or nearer to us. This is Screwtape's bottom line. Sickness, health, youth, old age, romance, etc. It's just, it's just raw material. They don't matter per se. It's all about how Wormwood exploits them. And we're back into the territory of heavenly and hellish creatures again. You're just moving a little closer to heaven or a little closer to the other place. And I think this is somewhat what Andrew, I saw that there was a bit of a conversation going on in our Slack community about um, Andrew talking about taking some practices from different denominations that were really beautiful. And I, I think this right here is the motivation for it. It's if something's moving him towards love or moving away from love is somewhat the litmus test of if I can pull something beautiful. And I understood some of the people had a little bit different view of taking things from different nominations. Yes, you could fall down the trap of just finding things that fit your personality and cherry picking things and ignoring things that probably could challenge you. So I do get that, but I also understand the inspiration and I think it's very much in line with this. Is this moving me towards love? It's Thankfully, Andrew is incredibly brilliant on a theological perspective, and I think he's pretty good at uh, answering that question. We'll keep him on the straight and narrow. (laughs) If not, David will be right there. (laughs) Trust me, I can attest to that. Absolutely. So Screwtape gives the bottom line and the general principle of hell, of twisting the raw material to guide someone towards hell rather than heaven. And he ends the letter by looking at how one might apply it to romantic love. So the question is, should romantic involvement be encouraged or discouraged in a particular case? And Screwtape says to Wormwood that he should encourage the patient to have contempt for love if he's an arrogant man and if he's got a misguided contempt for the body. And also if he's a bit of a contrarian, if he just naturally takes the contrary point of view. He says, instill in him an overweening asceticism, so like a, a, um, a contempt for the body. And then when you have separated his sexuality from all that might humanize it, weigh in on him in some much more brutal and cynical form. What do you think that cynical form was? I think it's just raw animalistic lust. I think he wants to form in the patient, if he's got a natural tendency uh to be arrogant and to think lowly of the body. And if he naturally wants to flout conventions, let him push away love and to such a point that when he's then confronted by lust, he's just got no defenses. He's got nothing that will uh, turn that lust into love. Because as as we spoke last week, when I had co-hosted with Dr. Jason Lepayavi, we spoke about how in many ways sex is designed to point to God. It it nurtures affection. It is the very thing that builds family. It has some inherently good properties that should point one towards goodness. And so I think what Screwtape is saying is if we've got someone who is so contemptuous of the body and arrogant of himself, just push that to its extreme and then present him with lust and then he's got nothing with which to rehabilitate or redeem that passion. Two things. First, no idea that you recorded with Dr. Lepoavi. Um, I'm not saying his name right, but... Uh, That's close enough. We're good. <laughs> close enough. Good. Last week, that is so... What a phenomenal person to do that with. I'm so excited to listen to that. Clearly, I haven't looked at the schedule of who we've been recording with. So 
That's Don't fantastic. Worry. I haven't sent it to you yet. But yes, I, I had to have Dr. Love on. It was either going to be last letter or this letter. It was going to be one of them. Now, I'm glad he did the last one, to be honest, because I was looking back at the last one because I do like to see where it was left off. And at first it was like, did I do this one? No. And then I noticed it was one that I checked that I would have loved to have done. And I was like, huh, I wonder why David didn't choose me for this one. Because there's certain ones in the beginning of the season we all checked off that we'd like. And uh, while this makes sense, Dr. Love would crush me on that one anyway. So <laughs> I'm excited. But well, you also included that- this one. So you put both of them. So I had to, I had to give you <laughs> one of them and give one to somebody else. I like it. That's fair. And uh, the other thing I was going to say is that reminds me a lot of, and I think your answer is spot on because as I'm reading that early witnesses or witnesses of the early church, the the voices book, it was talking about Gnosticism, which obviously has a very negative view of the body and material. And it said, you can, you can either go to one of two extremes when that was the case. And one of the extremes was just giving into orgies. And it's just a perversion of the sexual desire because you realize this is just a bad thing. It's trapping my spirit. So who really cares about it? And let's just use it to an extreme. And it made me think of that a little bit when you were giving your answer and your description. It's kind of like when you rent a car and you drive it at higher speeds on gravel roads than you would if it was your car. Because yes. what, what do you care? <laughs> Nobody has ever washed a car rental car before returning it. <laughs> I want to do that just for my bucket list now. <laughs> just to say I have. Okay, well, you can rent my car anytime you want. (laughs) Okay, back to the letter. So, dissuade him from love, falling in love, if he's this contemptuous man who's arrogant. But what about the flip side of that? Well, Screwtape says, if he's an emotional, gullible man, feed him on minor poets and fifth-rate novelists of the old school. And we spoke about that last week. Until you have made him believe that love is both irresistible and somehow intrinsically meritorious. And Screwtape says that this probably won't cause casual unchastity, but it is perfect for fostering the kind of tragic adulteries which end up in murders and suicides. (laughs) Wow. And he gives another option. He says, alternatively, you can just send the patient into a bad marriage. Uh, And once again, we have hell twisting God's good designs. And... With this in mind, Screwtape demands a report from Wormwood of the women who are in the patient's neighborhood, who, as if they were his wife, who would make it really difficult for him to continue to practice his faith? Having talked to many men and having friends, I will say this is a very, this one is exploited a lot by Screwtape. As loneliness sets in, as pressure from the world, it will push people into marriages for the wrong reasons. And I should add, as what he said right beforehand, with the poets, minor poets and fifth-rate novelists, I think you can put rom-coms today and all these other things, our definition of what love is has been so warped of what you should look for. And I'm reading The Meaning of Marriage, still not done yet. Um, (laughs) It's just, you don't look for the right things. And I think, was it in here or somewhere else I was reading? where it was talking about one flesh and when that was that was the last chapter last chapter okay i must have skimmed that see i did skim last chapter i don't lie um (laughs) don't skim my notes but you skim lewis's chapters (laughs) that you're not discussing fine (laughs) carry on i feel like it makes by the way the reason i do that 
is half laziness, but then also half, it makes a great dynamic because you get me real time. Like for example, when you brought it in letter eight <laughs> or nine with all of that stuff on the trough period, and it was the first time I was hearing it, the listeners got my real time reaction like, oh, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. But yeah, so as as I was reading, we was talking about one flesh. I like how Lewis points out last chapter, he doesn't say a happy one flesh or a good one flesh or something like that. It's like, once you are together, you are one. And it doesn't say perfect, doesn't say beautiful, always happy, always, you know, there's rough and bad and stuff like that, but you are still one and don't separate it. Yeah. And we spent some time in the previous episode talking about what these fifth-rate novelists and poets, what they do. And I think you're perfectly right. I think romantic comedies are our modern-day equivalent. They, they, they instill in us ideas about love that are not necessarily true. And as Screwtape says, that means that you can end up thinking that love is just irresistible. How many times have you heard, oh, we're just filled with so much passion that we just, we're just drawn to each other beyond everything? Well, that can be a really good excuse for adultery. And the idea that just being in love is somehow meritorious, like it, it, it is intrinsically good, regardless of the situation, regardless of who gets hurt in the meantime. David, you're not telling me all is fair in love and war. All you're is not, not fair me. in love and war. I should make that up as a saying or something. <laughs> you're, 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 not, you're telling me that there's not going to be a girl in front of me someday, just standing in front of a boy, hoping that he'll love her. <laughs> Come on, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I've been waiting for that. Well, you know, not everybody can be Marie. Not everyone can be swept off their feet by a charming Englishman. (laughs) There's only so many of me to go around, you know? You're 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 telling me I can't play closing time in a train Grand Central Station to Mila Kunis with a whole mob dancing mob? You can try. Let me know how that goes. (sighs) Okay, okay. (laughs) On that note... Yeah. On that note, Screwtape ends the letter by recapping his main point. He writes, get it quite clear in your mind that this state of falling in love is not in itself necessarily favorable either to us or to the other side. It is simply an occasion which we and the enemy are both trying to exploit. And so with that, let's turn to unscrewing Screwtape. What do you have this week? I want to start, and this might be the only one I really want to emphasize because I think it's just really important do believe in the genuine love and goodness of God. Mm -hmm. Because I think, now my little explanation for that, I talk with people so much around me who are in my spiritual circles that it's a struggle of my own. Do I believe he really loves me? Do I believe he has my goodness at heart? When I'm stressed about circumstances, when I'm constantly worried about stuff, things, it's like my heavenly father knows me. He loves me. What father would give a child a terrible gift? Like he he wants the best for me, wants the goodness, and he can make it happen. And I doubt that constantly. I don't believe it. I don't find peace in that statement. And it's a genuine struggle. And that's definitely Satan at work, wondering how can God really love me? What's Because he's not getting anything from me in return. Or in my case, I try to think, how can I give him something in return? <laughs> Which is just a stupid asinine statement. Which is also one step away from what can I do to make him love me? Yes. Well, to yeah. earn well, thanks it. For, thanks for David. I thought I was already doing bad enough. <laughs> I think that's just an invitation to, uh, so this would be one of my do's because I had the same one. Do read Crazy Love by Francis Chang. Oh, so good of a book. 
can I tell? I, oh. Yeah, I do want to kind of tell a little bit of story about that. Yeah, that'll actually connect with if you guys listen to the episode where I talked with Leo on well, how my life kind of came together and how I've always had these certain circumstances. So how I had a deep sense of peace that I was supposed to work out in San Diego, as I mentioned on that podcast, I had got crazy love months or honestly, maybe a year or two before threw it in the side of my car. So this isn't high school. This is just sitting in the side of my car. So honestly, it's probably th- multiple years beforehand. And then I'm being dropped off at the airport sophomore summer of college to go spend 10 weeks in Nicaragua. And as I'm getting out the door, my mother drove me in my car, dropped me off. I opened my door and I thought to myself, I probably can't have enough English books. I saw it in the side of the door, grabbed it and read the book in Nicaragua. Come back to Notre Dame, called a person who I had kept in touch with or met before who ended up becoming my future boss. And within 10 minutes of conversation, he said the book that inspired him to start the hedge fund was Crazy Love. And I had just read that book and was inspired by it. And that was, I thought God signed to me that I could be in the hedge fund space at a place and still be a Christian. So I didn't mention that in that episode. I'm recording this actually the day that episode was released, even though you're going to hear this three or four weeks later. So there you go. Crazy Love played a tremendous role in bringing me into the career path I am today. Well, after that, I'm going to be short and sweet. I just had two other items. Do not approach life like a zero-sum game. Because that's Screwtape's perspective. If I win, someone else loses. If I win, someone else loses. If I lose, someone else wins. Mm-mm. Doesn't work like that. And lastly, do remember that Satan can twist any good thing. Mm, those are good ones. I'm not going to add any more. I think four short and sweet, let people remember them. Not because you hadn't prepared any others, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't think so. Well, we would like to thank our top tier supporters, Jake, Stephen, Matt, Jeff, Chris, John, James, Kate, and Rowdy. That group is getting big. It is getting big, isn't it? And we're just a reminder about social media. Let your friends who are Lewis fans know about the upcoming Zoom tour that we're going to be doing. Uh, the more, the merrier. Also, guys, thanks for the reviews and the ratings. We crossed 300 as we're recording this, and probably three or four new iTunes reviews directly came in. And I, I think I made an appeal probably a week or two ago. And so you guys really stepped up. I, I gave the whole spiel of how it helps us with bringing people onto the show and stuff. So thank you for that. The one I read today was brilliant, by the way. It was a long one. Beautiful, beautiful. We read well, them all. Yeah, well, we'll have to read some of them out in an upcoming episode because this is, this is a long season. But we are now two-thirds of the way, roughly, through the book. Love it. Well, please join us next time when we're going to be going further up. And further in. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>